Rogue One, a Star Wars story, has blasted its way into theaters. But does this new chapter in the Star Wars series live up to the hype? Find out right now on an all-new episode of Matt in a Matinee. Welcome, everyone, to this very first episode of Matt in a Matinee, a tester episode, if you will. Um... Just kind of kicking it off right off the bat, I want to set this expectation right now that this very first episode is being brought to you via the Absolute Geek iTunes and SoundCloud, but it's not going to be its permanent home. If this ends up being a podcast that you guys like and want me to continue doing going forward, then we might have to look at getting it its own entity, its own home, um, its own iTunes, its own SoundCloud, um, things like that. That way it'll still be under the same umbrella. But it's not going to coexist or um, be counterproductive to the the show that we already put out on the Absolute Geek podcast. Because um, this is kind of more just just me. Um, I'll bring a, re- a reoccurring cast of characters on every now and then. If it's an older movie that we've all seen or something we've all seen together. Or you know, maybe I'll even do a my review episode and then bring other people that have seen the movie on. For the next episode and we'll we'll rediscuss it kind of a continuation who knows what i'm going to do with it it's kind of up in the air this just kind of happened because it was thrown out as an idea on a podcast by kellen and him and kyle went crazy with it and you guys kind of just got behind it and said that's something that we would want to hear so i'm not a critic i mean i'm a critic but i'm not a professional critic i don't feel like my opinion is uh that heavily weighed but obviously you guys want to hear what I have to say about it, <coughs> whether it's making fun of me or this is actually something you want to hear. I figured, what the fuck? Why not just try to run with it and, and see what happens? So with that being said, I figured what better way to kick off this first episode than by reviewing the number one movie out right now. And of course, I'm fucking talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Don't worry though, when with this review, I will. I'm gonna the way I'm gonna set up this review is I'm gonna kind of do it in three parts. I'm gonna give you my likes, my dislikes, and then the spoiler filled section. And I will kind of let you know when I'm going into spoilers so that way you can turn it off. You can hit that pause button if you haven't seen the movie, go out and see it, and come back and listen to what I had to say and kind of make your own judgments from what you saw to what I say. And you can say, No, you're fucking stupid, you're wrong, or kind of agree with you and by all means if you've already seen the movie and you're listening to this let me know what your thoughts are and anything i say in the comment section below or on facebook or just anywhere where you hear this let me know your thoughts behind all of this and behind what i'm about to say with my review of star wars or well rogue one a star wars story <coughs> um let's see where do i even begin with this movie man um i guess we'll go from the very beginning Rogue One, a Star Wars story, takes place sometime after the events of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and lead up to moments, if not minutes or seconds, and I'm talking seconds, um, to A New Hope. I I went and saw this movie on Friday night, and I kind of waited till tonight uh, to, to review it, to give everyone time to see it, but I mean, I went and saw it Friday night, and TNT was airing all of the the star wars movies that day and i got home and by the time i got home a new hope had just started so i sat down and watched it and it, it literally is 
like I said, seconds before A New Hope picks up is where this movie ends. Um, If you're familiar with the original Star Wars trilogy that was later changed to Episode 4, 5, and 6 when the prequels came, um, then I have no doubt you're very familiar with the fact that Princess Leia somehow obtained a copy of the plans for the Death Star, uh, revealing that one major design flaw uh, with, with the Death Star that was later so elegantly exploited by the lovable scamp Luke Skywalker as he was showing off his womp rat shooting skills um, at the end of A New Hope. Uh, this film plays... Uh, it, man, I just can't say enough about this film. <clears throat> um, this film comes into play kind of following that story. Um, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, tells you the story of how Leia obtained those plans to the Death Star thanks to the efforts of a small group of rebel fighters led by Jin Erso, played by Felicity Jones, who, um, who hopes that retrieving these plans will be able to turn the tide of the war against the Empire in the favor of the Rebellion. Um, I'm going to start out by saying the honest-to-God truth. Uh, this is the stuff I liked about the movie. Uh, the one thing that took me by surprise right away was the fact that I didn't even know I wanted to see this movie. I didn't even know I wanted to see this story um, played out on the big screen until I was sitting in the chair, reclined, popcorn in one hand, drinking the other, about to see it. I was, I was firmly planted and ready to go, and I was like, man, I can't wait to see this. And then right before it started, as the previews are going, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't really know how much I wanted this story. I didn't really know how much I cared and how, how much of an integral piece of Star Wars history this is about to be. Uh, I mean, you're learning, you're about to see how the, the plans came to end up with Princess Leia. You're about to see that entire story. You're about to get a whole new cast of characters, whole new situations. You, you, yeah, you kind of already know the outcome that they all die. If you're, you know, a new hope, if you've seen a new hope, hundreds of times you know what ha- the final outcome of this mission but you didn't know you wanted to see this mission or see it take place or even care about it really until you're sitting there about to see it uh i just can't i can't express that enough like how how shocked i was uh by that um i like how fast-paced this movie is it just gets into it no crawl no nothing it just opens up and bam we're off to the races I like the fact that this film felt a very grounded and realistic, felt like a very grounded and realistic Star Wars movie, at times feeling more like a smaller scale action movie, almost. Um, and that's despite the enormous budget and special effects this film had. I just felt like it was very well contained and it wasn't, despite the budget, it never got bigger than itself. It never got bigger than it needed to be. It never went above and beyond right where it needed to be and I I really found that refreshing and I really really liked it one of the other things is this film contains breathtaking set pieces and mind blowing CGI I can't tell you how good the CGI in this movie is it goes a long way into helping give this film a more contained feeling despite the fact that they're visiting several different planets throughout the entirety of the film Uh, the CGI with the ships to ship battles and the space flight the beach battles that everyone wanted to see is damn near flawless it feels seamless when imprinted with the human character element. So when you're they're leading attack on the beach, you see AT-ATs, um, you see all these the walkers, and, and it's just 
<clears throat> there's one shot of from the rebel uh, rebel fighter's point of view where he's looking up at the AT-18 and you just get a feeling of how massive they are and, and, and the scale of them and it, it almost gives you chills sitting in your seat like the size of these things so they did a really good job um, of, of scaling this movie um, I love that this film isn't overpowered by references from Star Wars movies uh, they're they're in the movie in small doses don't get me wrong there are very very there's a lot of them in this movie but they're subtly done um, it doesn't feel rehashed or like they're overtaking the story this film does a very good job of trying to remain part of but also very independent of the other Star Wars films <clears throat> I'll get more into that in the spoiler section because uh, I feel like a lot of the um, the cameos and callbacks are, are kind of spoilerish and if you're a huge Star Wars fan I think you'll enjoy more picking them out once you see the movie instead of me telling you where they are and what to look for and you'll be like god damn it man you fucking ruined the movie for me you fucking piece of shit I don't want to do that so I'm going to uh, let you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover those in the spoiler section so that we get if you haven't seen the movie yet and you're just like well I wonder what his opinion is before I go see it um, yeah, there you go. You know they're in there. You know to look for them. But I'm not going to tell you where they are and what they are. So that way you can come back to me and be like, oh, dude, this, this, and this, or that person, or this person. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun for you. And I knew it was part of the fun of the movie for me to pick these out. But I will talk about more of them in the spoiler section. Because if you go to the spoiler section before seeing the movie, that's your own damn fault. It has nothing to do with me. So that's on you. Uh, the humor in this film is handled really well. It goes a long way in complementing the dark undertones this film carries with it. The new characters are a perfect addition to the Star Wars universe, especially K2SO in uh, Turret. Ir- Ir- I'm going to kill this character's name. Uh, the He's played by Donnie Yen. Um, he's a blind uh, martial arts master. He's not a Jedi, but he, he does kind of use the force um, and I like that aspect of this movie too how the force is utilized and talked about in this movie without there being a single Jedi in sight I think that's really really cool uh, there are two now these two uh, Donnie Yen's character and K2SO the new droid they're two of the more heavy comedic relief characters in the film but still both have their own respective badass moments there's both of them have have amazing moments Donnie Yen's character is, is a fucking G he's probably one of my favorite characters he does so much cool stuff um, in this movie despite being blind then you have K2SO who is really really funny probably stole the show and he kind of gets his badass moment um, towards the the end of the final act of this film as well um I just I can't say enough about either one of those characters, man. It, they're just both. They both make the movie in their own respective ways, um, and they're both I think two of the more surprising characters. Because you think going into this, like the characters you're going to care about more are going to be like Jenner, Jenner say, and in kind of main cast, but it's actually the supporting characters that you you find bring the most relief to the film in in the comedic ways. Um, kind of very much like um, BB-8 did for um, The Force Awakens. Darth Vader, man. Can we talk about Darth Vader for a minute? 
Darth Vader has a small but satisfying cameo. And I'm only leaving, I'm only putting this in the, the spoiler-free section because I feel like the movie's been out since Friday. Um, it's almost been out a week now. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone knows by now that Darth Vader's in this movie, so I don't feel like mentioning Vader is going to spoil anything. Um, Darth Vader has a small but satisfying cameo in this movie. However, I felt Rogue One could have done a little bit more and helping Darth Vader cement his Sith Lord legacy. I'll go a little bit more into this in the spoiler section. Um, but the, whatever you get from that brief cameo, in my opinion, was fantastic. It was very satisfying. Uh, it was just terrifically done. So those are some of the, the likes I had about the film uh, without spoilers. Um, so now we're going to go ahead and move over into the negatives this film underwent extensive reshoots and, and I feel like at times this was very noticeable. If you remember, we reported this on the absolute Geek podcast that this, the film was going to go through reshoots cause it was, there was conflicting news. Like it was too dark. It wasn't dark enough. It just, I feel like this was poorly done and that you, at times, like I said, you you can really f- see them in the plot and it doesn't go together well. And it's very noticeable. After about the first 10 to 15 minutes, I feel like the film becomes a very slow at times, um, very sluggish for a good 35 minutes of the film. It isn't really until uh, Jen Ursay uh, Jen and uh, Cassian are on their way back uh, from finding Saw Guerrera, played by Forrest Whitaker, that the film starts to pick up again. Um, they have to go find Saw Guerrera to... They're trying to get her to convince him to join the rebel the rebels once again because he kind of defected and he's he's kind of just doing his own thing and attacking the empire on his own and in in exchange it's kind of hurting what the rebellion is trying to do i feel like the characterization in this film felt very sloppy and poorly set up at times Jin urso is really the only character we're given a reason to care about and root for <clears throat> other than to be one half of the comedic relief um, and have a few badass moments. I felt like Donnie Yen's character was kind of lacking depth. In this film, his character has a friendship with uh, Wen Jiang's character that has really no reason or backstory to drive it. There are moments later on in the film uh, that will have you kind of questioning why they care so much about each other. Um, Cassie and Andro, played by Diego Luna, who is the main uh, co-star of this film, is lacking so much in the character department that you, you go through an entire 134 minutes of this movie and you really learn nothing about him. I mean, other than he has kind of one outburst that lets you know that he's kind of been in this, in fighting this fight since he was a young child, you really don't get much in the way of, of backstory. There's not a whole lot to drive you <clears throat> to really care about these characters other than Jin. Forrest Whitaker. I feel like we need to talk about Forrest Whitaker in this film for a moment. I actually like Forrest Whitaker as an actor, even though every role he plays, his eye seems to get droopier and droopier. Uh, in this film, he plays Saw Gerrera, a character that, um, that first appears in Star Wars The Clone Wars TV show, the Cartoon Network TV show, and transfers over to this film. 
His character had absolutely no point in this movie. His really, his really only point is to help establish Jin's backstory and to give the Rebel Alliance a reason to seek Jin out in order to use her to gain his help against the Empire. Because you see, they have a backstory. They go way back. I'm not going to really spoil the beginning of the movie, but something happens at the beginning of the movie where Jin ends up on her own when she's a young child, and they send Saw Gerrera, uh, her parents send Saw Gerrera to go find her. He kind of takes her in and raises her and mentors her going forward to where they kind of get separated. Um, his sole purpose is to make sure the message about the flaw and the Death Star was delivered to Jen, and that was it. You might say that sounds like an important part of the movie, but just wait until you see it and make your own opinion on it. it to me, sitting there, it really felt like you could do without it. It, it kind of felt like they could have figured out a better way to introduce that aspect into the movie. Um, I mean, you really... Other than the very beginning, you, that's the only t- other time you see Forrest Whitaker. He's pretty much not in this movie at all. I feel like they don't like explain enough. They give you a little bit of this, the backstory between him and Jin and their their relationship, but they don't go into his backstory because when the movie opens, you find her in jail, and they don't really go into why she's in jail and how she how she got there and everything like that. Um, but it just feels almost like his character was was pointless. Even with those few plot devices and drivers I mentioned, it still felt like his killer, his character was pointless. But maybe I'm wrong. <clears throat> Make your own opinion of it. Let me know what you think. The end of the film, I felt that the end of the film could have been done better. But I'll go into that more into the spoilers. Um, I feel like weak bad guys was another issue. Other than the five to ten minutes of on-screen time you get to see Darth Vader, the villains in this film are lackluster at best and just don't feel that menacing. Um, Koenig, played by Ben Mendelsohn, um, felt like the appetizer to the Vader main course. And when that main course came, it wasn't very filling. It just I didn't feel like the, the bad guys were Darth Vader-level menacing i didn't feel like the empire was as menacing in this film as they feel in a new hope or as they feel in the empire strikes back or even as they feel in return of the jedi for that matter i just don't feel like the empire felt um that menacing until they started using the death star but even then um the main the main bad guy uh in in kernick um, Commander Koenig, he, he didn't even, he wasn't even really the one that ordered the original firing of the Death Star. He, he was kind of forced into it, but it, it just felt like he, he had that conflict where he didn't want to. He clearly had a relationship in the past with, with Jin's father, so there was kind of that element of it, and he, he kind of seemed like he was conflicted to be a part of the uh, Empire. And he just, you never really got that solid menacing bad guy feel from him. So this is the time right now where I'm going to stop and we're going to get into some spoilers. So if you have not yet seen star Wars and you don't want the movie spoiled for you, then you want to stop it right now. I'm going to give you five seconds, five, 
four, three, two, one. All right, if you're still with me, then you've already seen Star Wars, um, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I would love to know so far what you think about what I've said, kind of my gripes, my likes, my dislikes. I'd love to know your opinions on them. So let me know in the comment section below or on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you want to let me know on social media that you can find me. Let me know what your thoughts, what you liked, what you didn't like about Rogue One um, up to this point. So let's go ahead and get into some spoilers here. Uh, One thing I really enjoyed about this film is how it explores the not-so-squeaky-clean side of the Rebellion, Uh, especially when Cassian shoots an informant in the back when he gets the information he needed, you know, when they're... He's like, give me, you know, tell me what you know. Tell me this information. The guy's like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. The, the Empire's coming. He's like, don't worry. I'll, you know, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. And they just shoot him in the back and then climbs out to safety. I thought that was pretty cool to see that these guys are kind of in it and they know that they're going to have to do whatever needs to be done in in this situation. Uh, actor Riz Ahmed plays a defected Empire pilot and he delivers a well-received performance in the film. He kind of has a big role as he is one of the um, of uh, Jen Ur- uh, Galen, sorry, not Jen, Galen Ursay, the creator of the Death Star. Um, he gives him a message to be delivered to the Rebellion about the weakness he created in the Death Star. Uh, but his character also offers us one of the weirdest kind of pointless scenes in the film when a tentacle monster is kind of used to give him some sort of lie detector test and yet we still didn't learn anything of importance about his character uh that would give us a reason to care about him like even through that lie detector we we really got nothing out of it it kind of like left him like brain dead for a minute he had to be reminded that he was the pilot and that he did all this stuff and it was just kind of a a weird a weird scene i didn't really need to see you know um tentacle porn in Star Wars um, but yeah we got it and it it was one of the weirder scenes in Rogue One uh, the motion capture in this movie was questionable at best in the beginning of the film you get to see this amazing shot of Grand Moff Tarkin played by the late great Peter Cushing his reflection in the window of the Death Star and it was done in such a tasteful way that this could have been the only scene he was in it would have been very very satisfying but then he kind of turns around and continues to be in the majority of the movie after that and i found it kind of looked um to me uh a little bit out of place it kind of took me out of the film when i was like man he's cgi and i found myself really looking him over to find the flaws in the cgi other than his coloring at times being mismatched and the kind of stuff like that things were just a little bit off but it wasn't as bad as the motion capture that was used for another character. Uh, the character being Princess Leia. If, you, if you've seen the film, you know at the end, they, Princess, we have the plan. We have a message. We have the plans. And she turns around and you see the mocap of the younger Leia. Um, <laughs> it, it, it looks like her face is it's just off her face is just off i don't know if like her nose seems too big or it's like she almost looks like she just just shot in the face by a powder gun and she had a really bad or she had a really bad zit it's what it kind of looked like to me is that she had a really bad zit that she used a lot of cover-up to try and hide and it just it wasn't working i I don't know when you're cgiing a 
full character and you actually have the person standing there it, you should it should be a lot better than it was it just it wasn't I don't know it wasn't well done I feel like like Grand Moff Tarkin it wasn't that bad it was still pretty noticeable that it was CGI but it wasn't as bad as Leia I feel like and I've seen a lot of people right now like tearing down the Grand Moff Tarkin um, CGI'd character but I, I didn't think it was as bad as Leia's like yeah there was times you notice the, disqual- the discoloration or he's brighter than the rest of the scenery or he's, his coloring is just off and it doesn't look natural but man that last scene with Leia where she turns around and it just looks like she got shot in the face by a powder keg it just <laughs> it just did not sit well with me um, like I said earlier this movie was filled with, call- with callbacks uh, to A New Hope that were very well done and didn't overpower the tone of the film. It was a nice touch getting the cameo of, of C-3PO and R2-D2, as well as seeing the guys that Luke Skywalker uh, had a run-in with at the cantina. And I'm sure they still wouldn't like to see him or wouldn't like his face or like him even to this day. It, it, like I said, it was it was kind of a subtle run-in where you get to see him. C-3PO and R2-D2 was noticeable. It was subtle, but it was very well done. Same with the Cantina guys. Um, getting to see the Death Star in action from a point of view um, of actually being on the planet uh, was awesome. One of my favorite scenes in the film is the destruction of a Jetta after it's hit by the Death Star. Again, it's an amazing CGI job. Just everything being destroyed and blowing up. and It was, it was so well done. It, I just can't... can't say enough about the cgi work other than the mocap of this film it was it was flawless it was seamless it felt it felt perfect it, it felt really well done you you would be hard pressed to find a part in this film where the cgi was was loose and you could really tell other than the mocap that it was it was all cgi um but yeah, let's see. What else did I? Some of my other points here. Um, this film does a really good job of putting to rest the age old debate that goes back years upon years with Star Wars fans um, about the weakness in the Death Star. Was it an overlooked design flaw or put there on purpose? I love the fact that it was. Uh, it was meant to be kind of like the final fuck you to the Empire from uh, Galen Erso, who was forced to build the Death Star against his will. <clears throat> so you now know that the the Death Star was designed by one man and that he was forced to build it and, and kind of do everything. And he kind of put that one design flaw in it as the final fuck you to the Empire. And he wanted to stop at nothing to make sure that the Rebellion knew about it. Um, I felt like the reuse of the New Hope stock footage of the Rebel fighter pilots flying around and fighting it was a welcomed addition. It kind of felt like there was a missed opportunity at the same time as they could have used and given us more Porkins, man. Poor Porkins. We could have got a little bit, of, a little bit more Porkins in this movie. Um, when they're on the beach and the Rebels finally show up and they're kind of helping uh, Jin's team, you, you get stock footage of 
the fighter pilots or the the rebel pilots from a new hope and it's it's really well done it's really it fits really well i like that they use stock footage from a new hope from that but i was wishing and hoping for a little bit more porkins because who doesn't want a little bit more porkins in their life am i right I was kind of taken back by the fact that the rebellion, the rebellion didn't join and follow Jin into battle instead of kind of shooting her down after what was one of the more memorable Star Wars rally speeches, I think. Instead, they kind of tell her no, um, and then once they find out she's leading a small band of rebels to carry out the mission anyways against their better judgment, they're kind of just like, well, whatever, we're just going to go ahead and get involved now, I guess, and... <coughs> help them take down this deflector shield one thing i did really like is the new addition of the the hand the rammer ship i think they call it the hammerhead where they kind of have this ship and it and it kind of like rams into the side of the star destroyer which then sends it into another star destroyer and they kind of use it to to crash them into the shield <clears throat> i thought that was ship was really really cool um but i felt like they should have just joined her right off the bat and could have done without all that no 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 and her sneaking off but i guess it adds a little bit of flavor to the film and to the the fact that they're called a rogue one and it's a, a rogue team and it's kind of what they name their ship when they're trying to land um at a, a docking bay or a, a landing pad they the empire asks them what the call sign of the ship is and they say rogue one um, so and he's like, oh, there is no Rogue One. Like, well, there is now. But <clears throat> um, did I mention Vader? This movie answers a question that might not have only, that might have only been asked by fanboys in passing, or by clueless girlfriends or boyfriends upon the first viewing of Star Wars, and that is how did Darth Vader bathe? You get a nice show of him being removed from what looks like some kind of stasis tube. Um, I feel like for a little as he was in the film. Um, he has some of the better character moments watching him lay waste to a dozen or more rebel members, uh, on the ship. It was just very, very satisfying. Like you kind of get that, that feeling. It was almost like a reshoot and callback to a new hope. And you just kind of get that, that satisfying feeling of watching him lay waste to all of those, um, rebel, rebel members as he's trying to stop them from, Escaping with the plans to or the blueprints to the Death Star. Um, one place I felt this film was really lacking was the ending. We all know that everyone in this movie was gonna die. A New Hope tells us that, but I felt like the deaths in this movie could have been used to elevate the legend of other characters. For how important this mission is to the lore of Star Wars, they really do a weak job of making you care enough about the characters. Um, to make their death even really relevant other than Jin Ursae. The film ends with Jin and Cassian holding each other as they wait to meet their doom. <coughs> as the planet is being destroyed by the Death Star and everything is coming down around them. However, they are standing there for an awkwardly long amount of time. Like, you could have run and found another ship to escape in the amount of time. They're standing there. But instead, they sat on the fucking beach for a really long time to the point I started having flashbacks to Titanic and that fucking floating door. She could have been like, get your fucking ass up. We have to move. 
just like Rose could have moved her ass over on that fucking door and made room, but instead she wanted to take a seat on the bent and the beach and watch the destruction and wait to die. Just like Lo- Rose wanted to hug that fucking door and make my man Jack freeze to death. Come on. It would have been a better ending to have Vader like force choking the shit out of Jin as she handed the plans off and then Cassian tried to save her, but he gets run through by Vader's lightsaber. That to me that would have just been <clears throat> a stronger ending. I know that they did extensive reshoots and I know that the ending was something that was reshot, but I feel like the ending they went with is, is very weak. They spend 134 minutes, well, probably less than that because it's the appearing of the movie, but they spend, I would say, 125 minutes trying to give Jin this, this feeling of a strong, empowered female character. And then all of a sudden they, they want to give her this love interest. And I don't feel like the love interest angle needed to be done. I feel like it more hurt the character than helped the character. She didn't need to have a full-on makeout session while sitting on the beach which with Cassian. She could have found a ship. I feel like there was plenty of time for her to find a ship. There could have been ships all around her. She's on an island that's inhabited by the Empire. There could have been ships everywhere that she could have got to and flown away before this planet blew up and i understand everyone was gonna die so it kind of felt like they were like well everyone's gotta die so this is a great place to just kind of let them fucking die and i'm not kidding i really had flashbacks to titanic and i'm sitting here like okay move do something come on get up let's go and she just kind of fell to her knees and they waited to die and the editing in this movie editing is, is another part that kind of got me because if you look at that moment they're they're both closing their eyes holding each other and at the last moment right before they're going to get vaporized Cassian opens his eyes and kind of looks over at the blast as he was like expecting the director to be like and flash all right cut you're vaporized but it was just poorly edited like it could have been edited out um but it wasn't but what are you gonna do right i didn't edit this fucking film i just watched the fucking thing but i i in my humble opinion it would have been better to have vader kill them in and everything as he was trying to stop them from handing off the plans than to just have him vaporized while in a loving embrace on the beach i just i feel like that kind of hurt the direction they were trying to go with Jin Ursae's character of making her this empowered character strong character to to give her literally give her a love interest at the last second of the movie, just to vaporize it and take it away. I don't know. That's that's just me. Maybe you see something differently than I do, or have a thought that I'm not not grasping here. So, I mean, let me know what you think about it in the comment section um, or on Twitter or whatever. Just let me know what you think about it. Um, but everything in this film plays out very much the way you think it will. I know it looks a lot like I don't like this film, but I really do so much so that I want to see it again. Um, it was an exciting and fun action movie, but as a Star Wars film, I felt like the characters were lacking depth and the story felt rushed and the plot was forgotten at times. And then all the places, the Star Wars movie, oh, the plot was, how do I put this? Cause I don't want to sound like a pretentious dickhead when I say this. Um, all all the places 
where they drop the ball are places that Star Wars that make Star Wars movies great. It's not so much the cool battles or the lightsabers, but the genuine feeling we have for those characters and the depth of the stories and the character development and everything like that. That's what drives Star Wars. That's what drives Star Wars stories is is the depth of these characters, the backstory, the fact that you care about them, the fact that you care about Luke Skywalker, the fact that you care about um, Princess Leia, the fact that you care about Han Solo or Chewbacca or Lando Calrissian or Darth Vader. It's the fact that they worked so hard to build the character development of these characters and the backstory of these characters. That's what that's what engages these in Star Wars. That's what keeps you there. That's what makes a great Star Wars film. Now, do I feel like 30 years from now, when I'm showing someone, God, I'll be 60 years old. Fuck me. Um, when I'm showing someone Star Wars for the first time, or you know, my kids from Star Wars from the first time, or hopefully grandkids by that fucking time, um, do do I feel like do I feel like Rogue One will will hold up? I don't know. I feel like I feel like um, Force Awakens will. I don't know how well Rogue One will hold up. Um, I just, I just feel like this movie, this movie went a long way to complement A New Hope. It, it did its job in the fact where it filled you in in that gap, and it gave you, like I said at the beginning of this, <clears throat> it gave you a movie about a story you didn't know you actually wanted to see until you were sitting there seeing it. I don't want you to get me wrong at all. I loved this movie. Other than the minor points I, I picked out as as negatives, and I, I mean, I didn't have a hard time finding negatives, but I, I had to kind of go back and forth. Of, well, am I just nitpicking, or is this actually a, a negative look on the movie? I think that the reshoots in this film really hurt it because you can really tell at a lot of times where where something was reshot because it just didn't fit together um the scoring at times was a little weak i know that they they dropped the guy that was originally supposed to score it and brought someone else in and he didn't have he had to get like four weeks to score this movie and i kind of give him that a little bit but the music kind of felt off you didn't have the crawl like i said it just cuts into it you see the events that take place um with with Jin and her family and and the fact that her mother dies and she sees it and then she's hiding and then, you know, that whole thing. And then you get the the Star Wars Rogue One, a Star Wars story title screen. I liked <clears throat> that it just hit the ground running. I don't like that it kind of teetered off and slowed down and then picked up again. It's kind of like almost like a roller coaster like you, you know, you to start you hit that drop and then you're kind of like closing back uphill at a slow pace and then get to that point where all the action picks up again and then it's like another drop and it's just straight down after that <sighs> I, I really though I can't say enough about this movie I, I really enjoyed it I know it doesn't sound like I did but I promise you I did with that I'm gonna have to say um, I'm gonna give Star I'm gonna give Rogue One a Star Wars story an 8.3 out of 10 it wasn't a perfect movie. It had its issues. It had its flaws. But it wasn't a bad movie either. It went, It was definitely a lot better than the prequels that you got. It was a lot better than 1, 2, and 3. It was, it was beautifully shot. The CGI was flawless. 
there were issues with the mocap, but those could even be overlooked. I understand that it's technology that it's not new, but it's not perfected either. Um, so they're still kind of playing around with that. It's just, I feel like this movie had so much going for it, but it wasn't, it wasn't executed maybe the way you might hope. Um, it was still a really, really, really well done movie. I would love to see it again. I plan on seeing it again, but I just feel like it, it had issues and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say that it didn't. Uh, I can't justify that it didn't. It, it had its issues, but I don't feel like those issues were big enough to inhibit or hurt the Star Wars going experience. And I think as a bridge movie, it was phenomenal. Bridging into episode four, like I said, it, it literally, the movie ends <clears throat> when the ship is trying to outrun the, des- the, the Star Destroyer and they hand Princess Leia the the plans it literally ends before she sends the help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope message and that's phenomenal and like i said i came home started watching a new hope and it literally picks up right there it's like boom drop you right back into it so i would recommend i think that's the best way to enjoy rogue one and get the full extent of rogue one go see rogue one and then come home and immediately watch a new hope over again and I think it just makes Rogue One that much better. But I think my final verdict on Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is an 8.3 out of 10. I hope you liked and enjoyed this first episode of Matt and a Matinee. Um, if you want me to continue doing more, let me know. Uh, let me know what you think the next film I should review is. If it's something that's already on DVD or if it's something that's in theaters or coming to theaters, let me know and I will make sure to to do that. I'll do this. I think I'll do I'll do the majority of this show on on viewer requests. If there's a movie you want me to review, hit me up. Let me know. You know where to find me: the Twitter, the Facebook, the Absolute Geek Podcast Facebook page, AbsoluteGeekPodcast.com. Um, I'm all of those places, and yeah. So for this very first and hopefully not last episode of Matt and a Matinee, I have been your host Matt, and we'll see you at the movies.